to see these four men make public their faith in Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's incredible, isn't it? Right, right. The testimony that they shared, two of them talked about being in a dark place. It's easy to get in a dark place. Likely some of us here, or perhaps you watching online, you're in a dark place. That's where sin takes us. Sin takes us to a, a dark place. If you read the Bible, you'll see that it says that every single one of us has a bent towards sin. And another way to say it is every single one of us is bent away from God. We go about our lives doing our own thing our own way, and we get tangled up in things that we never expected to get a grip on our lives, and it takes us to a place we don't expect to go. But that's for all of us. That's the story for all of us. The Bible says that that life just carries on and takes us to the very end, and then, and then we experience real death, real death. In a sense, in a sense, it's spiritual death all along. We're living, but not living. But there is a second death, according to the Bible. In fact, the Bible uses the word hell to describe it. That's an English translation of a Greek word, Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom. That was a real valley. When Jesus talked about Gehenna, he could point to the south area, a little valley south of Jerusalem. It was the garbage dump of the city. All the refuse of the city was put out there, and there was always a low burning flame across that garbage, just consuming it, a smoke rising up. Anyone in Jerusalem could look at any time, and they would see Gehenna. They would smell Gehenna. So when Jesus talks about how sin warps our life and twists it, and brings us into a dark place, and he speaks of us experiencing this fire of Gehenna in the life to come, what he's saying is a life can be wasted. It can be squandered. There can be real loss as we're separated from God. Because ultimately, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about separation from God. God, the source of all good, and we're separated from that source. So what's left for us except except what Jesus called the fire of Gehenna. Of course, we don't like to think about that. We, we try to put it out of mind. We convince ourselves it isn't so, but it's there. Now, a lot of you are not from Waco. A lot of you Baylor students, you're not from Waco. You don't know the city all that well. If you lived out in this part of the city, you would know that just a little west of here, down Highway 84 on the south side, there is a big garbage dump. That's where the landfill is. You can't see it too well from the street, but every so often, in spite of all their best efforts, a little methane gas will escape and you'll smell it. And when you smell it, you know it's there. You can't cover it up perfectly, it's there. And in the same way, we can't cover up the damage that sin does. You see it. We see it in this life. It's just that Jesus said in the life to come, in 
life to come so much worse. And so when we see young men profess their faith in Jesus Christ, who can say, I was in a dark place, I was in a bad place, but Jesus Christ has come into my life and has changed that, you can understand why they would have joy. You can understand why they'd want to tell people about their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that finding the kingdom of heaven is like a man walking through a field. He accidentally stumbles on a treasure that's hidden in the field. And Jesus says, for the joy of discovery, for the joy of finding this treasure, the man goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the field and secure the treasure. No sacrifice is too great. He'll let it all go if he can just have this treasure of the kingdom of heaven. That's the joyful side of salvation. Jesus has not come to condemn us, but to deliver us from the hell in which we live and the hell to which we're going. That's the grace of God coming in to this world and bearing the judgment of God on Calvary so we don't have to bear it. He takes the curse upon himself so we don't have to live with the curse. That's the gospel. Now, I say all this because we're going to read a text that is probably the most frightening text that you can find in the New Testament. Certainly, there is no place else where Jesus more starkly puts out the threat of eternal death than in the verses we're going to read. You know, I've preached a little over 40 years now. And I've never preached from the text I'm about to read to you. I've never preached from it. I think, like you, I would rather avoid the subject. I'd rather not think about it. I've read it, and I've read past it. But you know, a troublesome thing happens to a pastor who says, all right, church, let's read through the scripture and study it all together. You come across passages like this, and then you're stuck. You have to preach them. So there I am, and I want you to turn, if you have a Bible with you or your smartphone or whatever, to Matthew chapter 18. The Scripture will be on the screen. I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of Gehenna, hell. Here he uses the phrase and he says, any price you have to pay to avoid this terrible fate that sin and darkness bring 
we should pay that price. So when Jesus comes, he comes with good news. He comes with gospel. He tells us that if we put our faith in him, if we, to put it differently, follow him, he will lead us into the kingdom, into life, into eternal life. That's the good news. But there's a flip side to that. The reason it's good news is because it's real deliverance. It's real salvation from something unspeakably horrible. We get just a taste of it in the troubles we experience in this life. But Jesus says, what awaits the person who rejects grace and holds to sin, who chooses sin in preference to God? That person, he says, it's a terrible fate. He, you would be better off, you would be better off to amputate your hand than to keep using that hand to lay hold of sin. You'd be better off amputating your foot than to follow every temptation that comes. You'd be better off plucking out your eye than to fasten your heart and your focus on some idol that takes you away from God. Far better all that than to perish. You can see why I avoid a text like this. Like anyone else, I want to be inspirational. But this is a serious word given by Jesus, and it's one that brings health when we take it home. Because you know there are a lot of folks, a lot of people, that, that choose something else other than Jesus, and they stumble instead of following. Now keep in mind, when I'm talking about this, when we're talking about stumbling, we're not talking about, we're not talking about having faults, having flaws, sinning as you're following Christ. There is not a person in here that doesn't sin. There's not a person in here that doesn't need to ask forgiveness every single day. The Lord gave us a prayer, in fact, a prayer that we were to ask daily for forgiveness. So we all recognize that. When Jesus talks about stumbling, he's not talking about that. He's using a Greek word, skandalizo. It means, in this context, it means to stumble and to fall so as no longer to be following Jesus. It's to make a choice. It's to say, you know what? The way that the Lord is calling me to, that's too narrow. That's too hard. I want to take this way over here. People do it all the time. People do it all the time. It could be an idol like drugs or alcohol, and that consumes everything, and that's what you're following, and you hold to that, and you find your sense of salvation Anytime you're upset, anytime you're troubled, you can find it in that substance. You find your salvation then. How many of us have been exactly in that same place? We heard a couple of testimonies to that effect, but you know what? That could be multiplied in this room and online many, many times. We all know what that is. But see, to choose that instead of Christ, that's death. Now, Christians following Christ can stumble in the, that area, but that's a different thing. We're talking about making choices. Are you going to follow Jesus or not? There are other instances. So many times there's a person, some relationship, or some relationship you hope to have. How many people don't follow Christ because of friends, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, or a husband, or a wife, because you're afraid you're going to lose them? How many times? How many times do people 
Do people choose not to follow Jesus Christ, but to pursue that person that is forbidden to you? They are married to someone else. They are forbidden to you, but you want them. They are of the same sex. They are forbidden to you, but you want them. Following Jesus Christ means sometimes being severe with ourselves to where it feels like an amputation, like a violence against ourselves. It is, as Jesus says elsewhere, taking up the cross and following Jesus. And there can be real loss involved. But keep in mind, Jesus says, it's a selling everything you have to gain the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. That's the positive side. And the other side is to continue in the way of sin brings such, such loss. Of course, he doesn't just talk about our own personal things. He says some chilling things here about causing others to stumble. You know, there are people who cause other people to turn away. Now, there's no excuse. Jesus says stumbling blocks have to come in the world, and everybody's responsible for their own choices. But, you know, there are some people that have special guilt before God because they work to turn people away from the faith. I had lunch a few years ago with a man who's written I don't know how many books. He's a New Testament scholar. He teaches at one of the most prestigious universities in the country. But he doesn't teach New Testament to lead people to Christ. He bends all of his efforts, he bends all of his efforts to turn people away from Christ. He himself grew up in church. He went to seminary. He went to grad school. Along the way, he lost his faith. And now it's his ambition to turn other people away from the faith. I had lunch with him. It wasn't just the two of us. It was a group of us. But the tone, the edge, and everything that was said, there is a, a brokenness inside, and it's, it's calloused over. It's become hard. And now he's an evangelist for the kingdom of darkness. That is a terrible place to be. But you don't have to be like that. I, there was a young man some years ago who accepted Jesus Christ. He was an alcoholic. He came to Christ and gave up alcohol, and he was going forward with his life and discovering what God wanted for him. I got a call from his father, his irate father, his church-going father. He didn't want his son involved in our church, that cult. Well, I said, you, you do know that he's sober. He's sober for the first time in years. I mean, the Lord has set him free from that. I'd rather him be a drunk than to be involved in what you're talking about. That's what he said. You know, there are people that will try to pressure people to not follow Jesus Christ. And what Jesus says of them, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be drowned in the sea if that would stop them from that sin. If being drowned would keep them from committing that sin for which they would be judged, they'd be better off to be drowned. Wow, these are strong, strong words. 
but so important for us to recognize. You know, the thing about Jesus is he takes life so seriously. Isn't it amazing how casually a lot of people take life? They act as if, they act as if you just go each day, you can do whatever you want, seek all the fun that you can, and, and they think it'll never run out. They think they can't ever squander it. They think that there are no consequences. They can just do what they want to do, and, and it's all going to be good. It'll turn out okay. You know, in a few years, I'll settle down. I mean, people think like that. They live their lives like that. As if our life isn't the most precious thing we have. And if it isn't just a preparation for life to come. Jesus took it so seriously. That doesn't mean always solemnly. Remember, there's that, that other side. It's, it's kind of a paradox. Those who have the fever of sin broken in their lives and are following Jesus, they know what joy is. That's why they're willing to sell everything for the sake of the kingdom. They know what joy is. They experience it. And so Christian discipleship is a joy. But there is a serious side to it. What I want to ask you to do is consider that side to it. As a Christian, most of us in this room, we're Christians. So we're not talking, I hope, I hope we're not talking about anyone stumbling so as to walk away from Jesus because they want something else or because it requires denying themselves something. I, I pray that isn't so. But if we understand what sin leads to. In other words, if you, if you just think about sin, just following naturally, its natural course, it leads to death. And knowing that ought to give us a deeper revulsion to it, a greater determination to say, not for me, I'm going to follow the Lord. It's like if somebody came to you and said, here's a cup of poison. Swig it down, it'll kill you. Well, you're not going to drink Say it's four ounces. You're not going to drink the four ounces. But are you going to say, well, you know, if I just sip it a little, that won't cause any harm. You're not going to sip on poison. So just reading these words of Jesus should cause us to think, you know what? I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. And then if you have not yet begun to follow Jesus Christ, he's not your Savior. You're here because, because you know you need God. That's why you're here. But maybe you're on the edge of trying to make a decision. Here's the thing. None of us is a match for sin. It takes over our lives. Not a one of us is a match for it. Now, some people are pretty good about being respectable in their sin. But being respectable in sin doesn't make a difference when it comes to faith in God one day. So none of us is a match for sin. The good news is none of us has to be. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, the Bible says. He came that the world might have life. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He's not, he didn't come to threaten you with the fire of Gehenna. He came to bring salvation. And he mentions the fire of Gehenna to say that hell you're already living with that's going to get worse, not better, you can be delivered from it. You can be delivered from it. 
and you can be delivered this morning. It takes a step of faith. I've already said that is essentially to follow Jesus. You know, faith isn't just believing something. I mean, it's believing it in such a way that it takes over your life. You don't become perfect, but you really do become an authentic follower of Jesus. Then along the way, you make lots of mistakes, but you know he's with you, he forgives you, he picks you up and helps you go forward. Thank God for that. We all need plenty of mercy. We all need plenty of grace. But if you've not yet received Christ, you can, and you can begin that journey. These four guys who shared their testimony, you'll have a story like that of how Jesus came into your life. You can do that this morning. In a minute, we're going to sing. Essentially, we're going to be singing a prayer. And you can make that prayer your own, and you can be saved. If you're a Christian, and there's something you're tangled up in, now's the time to get rid of it. Don't play with something that has the power to ruin your life. If you're not a believer, now's the time. Put your life in the Lord's hands. You'd be amazed what God can do in you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ for each of us. Father, in ourselves, we are powerless over sin, but we know that you can purify us. You can refine us, Lord. You can change our hearts and make us new. We can't do it, but you can, and we trust that you will. And Lord, may you, by your grace, in this room, and to those that are watching online, wherever they are, may you visit us. Amen.